number? If not, the teachers will let me know later. Praise God. Praise God. I want, uh, we've got a whole host of kids that are going to youth convention. We're excited about that. You can be seated if you like. We've got a whole, ho- whole host of children that are going to youth convention from ages uh, 12 and on up. We're excited about that. I think we've got a total of um, nine going this year. So looking forward to that. Um, Call us brave, call us crazy. My wife and I have decided we're going to go down there as well and try to act young. And so we look forward to spending some time with our young people and uh, worshiping the Lord together, praying together, having some fun together, eating together, trying not to get in any trouble together. But uh, my wife sort of brings trouble with her sometimes, so we just have to pray about that. Amen. But looking forward to our time with the young people. Uh, we sent out messaging regarding that. If you did not receive that, it's probably because you haven't joined us on WhatsApp yet. Um, and so we encourage you, if you have a smartphone or a phone that thinks it's smart and proves to me I'm not, um, if you have a phone, download the app WhatsApp. WhatsApp. And then we'll add you to a group distribution list. Um, it's a way that we can send out announcements and communication to the body quickly. And uh, can I just give you a quick WhatsApp lesson for those of you that are starting to get used to using it? Um, we have two different types of lists. Sometimes you'll see a message from me. Many of you have seen this. It says, this is a Life Church Sela broadcast message. Replies will only be seen by the sender. And so those are lists I've created so that if you reply, the reply just comes back to me. That way everybody's phone doesn't blow up, right? Like if I send out a message to 50 of you and then 20 of you decide to respond, everybody's phone's going, all 50 of us, our phone. So that's why we have lists. So if you reply, you're replying just, and I'll always have that at the beginning of the messages. Say this is a broadcast message. Replies will only be seen by the sender. Um, Now, if you get a message and it doesn't say that, when you reply, everybody's getting the reply. Okay? So if I send out a message that's to everybody and then my wife decides to send a message back that says, Honey, you're amazing. I'm so glad you married me. She's going to send that to all of y'all. And I want her to do that. If you ever see that, save that screenshot. Okay? (laughs) But uh, praise God. I don't know why I'm picking on my wife this morning. I love her. But uh, anyway, so that's WhatsApp. If you haven't downloaded that app already, or if you have and you're like, Brother Hart, I'm not getting those, let me know. It's probably my fault. We'll make sure we get you added to the list. But again, if you have a smartphone, WhatsApp, and we'll get you plugged in that way. Amen? Praise God. We dismissed the kids. We did that. All right. Amen. Why don't you grab your Bible? And... uh, Let's just see where the Lord will take us today. I, uh, I thought we were going one direction, but I'm not so sure anymore. I think we're going somewhere else. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you pray with me right now? Open our spirits asking the Lord. We want him to talk to us, don't we? 
Could you talk to him about that right now? Honestly, before God, would you ask him to speak to your life and mine? Would you ask the living word of God, the rhema of God, to speak into our hearts? This is so necessary. We're not here going through the motions. I'm not interested in religious tradition. God, we must hear from you. We need you. We need your words. We need your thoughts. We hunger and thirst after you, O God. We can do nothing without you, but with you all things are possible. I pray today the ministry and the utterance of the Spirit of God, the working of your word in our hearts and in our lives according to your plan and your purpose, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, praise God. Well, okay. So let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 17. I hope that's where it's at. Pretty sure. We'll find out in a minute, won't we? Luke chapter, yeah, 17. Praise God. And verse number 20. Luke 17 and 20. Amen. You got it? Amen. And when he, he is the Lord Jesus, when he was demanded of the Pharisees, Notice they didn't just ask the question. They demanded a response, the word that's used there. See, they were trying to, uh, Pharisees are religious traditionalists. When he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, I want you to notice the response of Jesus regarding the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God cometh not, with observation. What's that mean? It means it's not something you see with your natural eye. They were looking for an earthly kingdom. It's interesting if you look about the Lord Jesus Christ when his ministry started, he started with these words, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, I have sought to study the kingdom of God, and I haven't even scratched the surface, I'm sure. But the kingdom of God is pretty important. Wouldn't you agree? I don't know that there's anything more important. And uh, I was feeling a little bit of a shift there, a different direction, and then I realized as we prayed that I think that we're going to end up tying those two different directions together, feeling the Holy Ghost. We're going to teach for a second, okay? Then we might preach in a minute. I had a pastor when I was a kid. He called that treaching, so I don't know if that's what that is or not. But The kingdom of God. We understand the word kingdom, right? It's made up of two words. Kings, dominion. That's where we get the word kingdom. It speaks of that which is under the authority of a king. If it's not his dominion, it's not his kingdom. Amen? So, I may 
I may like to think that certain things I have dominion over or certain things, you know, I might be able to walk into the credit union in Olympia, you know, the big five-story building. I may walk in there acting like I've got the authority over the whole place, but the reality is I don't, right? I'm not the, I'm not the hot shot there. I'm not that guy. But there is a guy that sits up on the fifth floor. His name's Kevin. Kevin's the chairman and the CEO. It sort of is his kingdom there. He doesn't treat it like that. You understand he doesn't have to walk around with an air and an arrogance and pomp for it to be under his authority. It's there because of place and position. This is not what we're talking about when we talk about the Lord's kingdom. All right. I remember several months back, Brother Mark Kendrick was here with us, and he ministered one Wednesday night, I believe. Might have been on a Friday night at that time. I can't remember. But he made this statement. It's so true, and it stayed with me, about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is not a realm. It is a reign. It's not a realm. It's not a location or a geographical place. It is a reign. Uh, so when we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk about where God has dominion as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You say, well, he has dominion everywhere. Well, that is sort of true. Do I have your attention now? Because God does not have dominion everywhere, at least not exercised dominion everywhere. Because here's the thing about God. While God has all authority, he is omnipotent, all-powerful. While he has all authority and all power, he does not exercise it and take it except it's given him. Why is it that people could be lost and live in sin if God has the power to save them? Does he have the power to save people? Amen? So why could someone be lost in sin if God has the power? Simply because God does not exercise authority until it's given him. He allows man to walk in his own authority or to submit to a different authority if man so chooses. But if man will choose to submit to God's authority, then God will make us as men, and when I use the term man, I mean humankind, you understand. Then he, in fact, says, if you're willing to allow me to be king and have dominion in your life, then I will rule and reign in your life. But if not, I will allow you to rule and reign in your own life. And I'll not take and use the authority I have except you yield to it. That's the difference. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk about everywhere that God has dominion. Now, there's a scripture that we often hear at Christmas time, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. It says, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Heard that verse before. And it says, the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse number 7 says, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Now, if it's going to continue to increase, 
then it must mean that there are people continuing to yield to his dominion. You with me? So the Lord said, in verse 20, the Lord Jesus Christ said, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. You're not going to see it coming. The challenge for the Jews was, in the day of the Lord Jesus, the challenge was that they were looking for a physical kingdom to come to deliver them from the bondage of the Romans. They were looking for a political system to change that would become a political system that aligned with Jewish faith and belief so that they could say the kingdom of God is in the earth. And Jesus Christ declared to them, you're looking for the wrong thing. The kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. In other words, he could have just as easily said to them, they didn't hear, but he could have just as easily said, I'm sorry, there's never going to be a change in the political system that aligns with the kingdom of God. There may be elements along the way that will align with the kingdom, but they're always going to operate under the kingdom of this world, the God of this world. We understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is not the God of this world. The scripture tells us plainly that Satan is the God of this world. This is, this is the very reason why Satan could tempt the Lord Jesus Christ in the wilderness. And take him to a mountaintop and have him look out across all the city and say, if you will bow to me, I'll give you all of these kingdoms. What was he doing? He was offering to him the kingdom and the glory of this world. How could Satan offer that to God in the flesh? Because Satan is the God of this world. So how do we take back authority from Satan, who is the God of this world. Simply, we submit to the authority of the king, but it's not going to come with observation. So for... I know I'm going to step on somebody's sacred ground here this morning. If I do, I hope you don't get offended. If you get offended, you have to forgive me. It's in the word. And so if you get offended and you've got questions, just come talk to me afterwards. We'll dig in the word of God and figure this out, all right? In Acts chapter number 1, right before Jesus ascended, his disciples, this isn't Pharisees, this is his disciples, the ones that have walked with him and talked with him for three and a half years, the 12 plus about another 488. They asked Jesus the question, will you at this time restore the kingdom of God to Israel? They were still looking for an earthly political system that would free them from the bondage of this world so that they could have authority in this life in the natural realm. I want to make sure you understand that. We can have authority in this life. True authority is not in the natural. It's in the spiritual. Because anything that happens in the natural first is dealt with in the spiritual. And so, but they were asking the question, will you at this time restore your kingdom to Israel? Again, they were thinking about the current political climate and getting, you know, we, could, we have the same thing here in our day. It's amazing to me how much people bicker over politics. 
and argue and debate and fight. And I, I, this is going to sound harsh, but I, I'm really trying to be careful. I really don't care what you think about politics. I don't. That doesn't mean I dislike you or don't care for you. I, I don't care. And I don't care that you care what I think about politics. I have no confidence in men. My confidence is in God. God sets up one. He sets down another. Promotion does not come from the east or the west. It doesn't come from the electoral college or the popular vote. Promotion comes from God. He sets up one. He sets down another. This is the work of the Lord. The scripture says clearly that he, the Lord, holds the hearts of kings in his hand to turn them whithersoever he will. Don't think for a moment the political system of our day is in control. I promise you at the end of it all, there's only one who's in control. And when it's done and said and finished, there will be only one kingdom that rules and reigns. And it will be the kingdom of God. So it would be wise for you and I to determine now that I'm going to be a part of the kingdom of God. Because if I don't determine now, it will be determined for me at one day. Because it was said in that song at the beginning, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. At that day, no one else will be saying, when will you restore your kingdom? I promise you on that day, they'll know who the king is. And hear me, the word of God is clear. The word of God is sure. The word of God is true. The word of God is right. Every... Everybody say every. Every means every. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You better let that sink into your spirit and lay hold on that word of God. Nobody's going to say, well, you know, there's... We all worship one God, just different. No, no, no. Every knee, every tongue, Jesus Christ is Lord. No other Lord. No other God. Him alone. So, if the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Man, it took us a long time to get through one verse. You guys are nervous now. Verse 21. Jesus is still talking about the kingdom of God. Neither shall they say, lo here, or lo there. Again, pointing to a physical geographical location. Lo here or lo there, for behold, where is the kingdom of God? Let that sink into your spirit. Jesus Christ said, the kingdom of God is within you. Remember, it's a reign, not a realm. The kingdom of God is within you. How is the kingdom of God within you? Well, let's put together a couple of verses really quick. Book of John chapter 3, we all know. Chapter, John chapter 3, verse... Um, 
1 through 6. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And we could probably even start at verse number 3. Um, but here we find that the man called Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. He was a ruler of the Jews, verse number 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. See, Nicodemus didn't quite yet understand that Jesus was not a man come from God. Jesus was God wrapped in the flesh of a man. He'd figure that out sooner or later. Verse number 3. Jesus answered, notice, and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except, everybody say, except. Except a man be born again, he cannot what? Now, Jesus said in where we just read in Luke 17, that the kingdom of God doesn't come with what? Observation. Right? But here in John, he said, except a man's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So all of a sudden, now it sounds like maybe you can see the kingdom. Jesus is not confused. The scripture is not contradicting itself. When he said it doesn't come with observation, he was speaking in the natural. When he says, except you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God, he's talking about seeing in the spiritual. All right? That's why we need to pray that the Lord would anoint our eyes so that we would see not in the natural but in the spiritual. Verse number four. Nicodemus said, he's still thinking in the natural. Nicodemus is still thinking in the natural. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse five. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except, everybody say, except. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Now he went a little further. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, these verses have been misquoted so many times as though the Lord was speaking this regarding getting into heaven. And I believe you need to be born of the water and of the Spirit to enter into heaven. There's other verses that substantiate that. But here, Jesus is not talking about heaven when he says the kingdom of God. He's talking about the kingdom, the dominion, the rule, the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you and I cannot enter into a place where there's dominion, ruling and reigning of Christ in our lives unless we're born again of the water and of the Spirit. Is that what the Word says? And so I have to be born of water and born of the Spirit. Born of water, I, take, I go through the waters of baptism. Born of the Spirit, I'm infilled with the Spirit of God. The infilling of the Holy Ghost comes into my life. And so that is an entry into the kingdom of God. All right? So we're talking about the kingdom. It doesn't come with observation, but it's within you. Now, does that mean if I'm filled with the Holy Ghost... Holy Ghost that now the king has dominion in my life. Huh? No, I heard several people say, no, see, you guys are smart people. I've been paying attention. No, it doesn't mean that, does it? Just because I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, does, 
You ever met somebody that was filled with the Holy Ghost and acted ungodly? You don't, don't point at anybody. My wife gave me a look, see. Why is that? I'll tell you why that is. Because I always have the choice of whose dominion I'm yielding to. Whether it's going to be his dominion or whether I'm going to exercise my own dominion. It always makes me a little nervous when somebody makes this statement. It's my life. I'll do what I want. That's usually a strong indicator to me that they're not part of the kingdom. At least not in that moment. Because here's what happens when we... Is this all right this morning? Because when we become a part of the kingdom of God, I lose my life. It no longer belongs to me. The apostle Paul made this statement to two different churches in letters he wrote. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost... Whose you are, and you are no longer your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are His. When you and I are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, filled with His Spirit, it's not so we can say, Well, bless God, I received the Holy Ghost. It's so that the indwelling Spirit of God can begin to rule and reign and govern our life. That's the purpose of the Holy Ghost. It's so I can enter into the kingdom of God. If the Spirit of God's not living in me, how is the Spirit of God going to direct my life? Oh, He's going to do it from the outside. No, that's not what He's going to do. He'll definitely work in your life before He lives inside of you. But His desire is to ultimately live inside of you. Do you understand why there are people that are demon-possessed? What is that? I'll tell you what that is. Satan is trying to imitate God. That's what he's always done. And God has really only desired one throne, and that is the throne of the heart of man that he created. He would desire to reside as king on the throne of our heart. And so Satan, desiring to be like God seeks to influence mankind through sin and evil and all types of evil things. And he does so to the point of seeking to take possession of an individual because that's as close as he'll ever get to any similitude of God. You see, the difference is God wants to rule and reign in our hearts and God has the power to simply do so but he will not until we say, yes, Lord, please do so. And so when I get entrance into the kingdom of God, now I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God dwells in me. Now I purpose daily whether I'm going to walk in the kingdom or I'm going to walk in my own efforts and ability. Am I going to yield my life to the king today or am I going to yield to my own desires today? Who's going to direct my life, me or the king? That's the kingdom. Who has dominion in my life? You say, well, what does the king get to choose? Whatever he wants, if it's his dominion.
I'm letting that sink in. If it's his dominion, he gets to choose everything he wants for my life. Everything? Yep, everything. Some of you are still wrapping your head around that. Everything? Yeah, everything. That's why I wouldn't buy a car without talking to him first. He might not want me to. Well, I got the money. I'll do what I want. Okay. It's his dominion. He owns it all if I choose to let him. It's a constant choice daily, daily, daily. Why is it that the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray? And when the Lord Jesus taught them to pray, he gave them a pattern for prayer, not something to repeat. We know it's not something to repeat because he said vain repetitions is what the Pharisees do. And if it was just giving them something to repeat, he'd be teaching vain repetition contrary to his word. So it was a pattern for prayer. Men call it the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the Lord's instruction on how to pray. But anyway, Matthew chapter number 6, we read it. And the Lord, we know this. Most of us have heard this or grown up hearing this, right? Our Father who art in heaven. We're acknowledging who He is. Hallowed be Thy name. What's the next part of that prayer? Aha. Notice you don't pray anything else until you settle that issue. You understand, the rest of the prayer means nothing if you don't settle that. It doesn't matter. You can pray, give us this day our daily bread. If you don't have the kingdom issue settled, it doesn't matter. You can pray, Lord, your will be done. If you don't have the kingdom issue settled, it doesn't matter. You say, well, why not? I'll tell you why not. Could you imagine if I came to your house, you, right? I show up at the Santos house and I walk in. And I'm acting like I own the place there. I just walk into the cupboards, open the cupboards. And man, I'm getting me something to eat. Now, Brother Zario and Sister Priscilla, just because they're so gracious and kind, they'd probably be like, I don't know what he's doing. But they wouldn't say anything. They'd be like, I guess Elder knows what he's doing. I wouldn't do that. But if I did that, they'd be thinking, who, who does he think he is? He's just like acting like he owns the place. Here's the deal. When you and I give the Lord dominion in our life, then his will can be done. Why would I not go into their home and do that? That's not my home. I don't have dominion there in the natural. Right. I don't go in there and do that. I'm going to ask. I'm going to respect. Right. And I'm going to ask them, hey, would you have something to eat? Then they might go look in the cupboards and get something to eat and bring. Why would they? Because I'm in their dominion. They have the authority to go open the cupboard, get something out, and bring it to me. Does that make sense? See, we understand that in the natural. And so when we begin to pray, we must first settle the who has dominion issue in our lives. And so when I settle the dominion issue and I say, Thy kingdom come. What I'm really saying is, Lord, I want you to have dominion in my life. I don't want to be making choices for myself. I'm giving up my right to choose and acknowledging that you get the power to make the choices for me. And I'll hear from you and act according to your voice rather than following my own desires. That's thy kingdom coming. Now, someone that's thinking in the natural would say, man, that sounds controlling. You know what that is? It's liberating. It's liberating. Why is it liberating? Because he just tells me what to do and I do it. 
I have a couple of kids in Bible college right now. And they're down in California. And, you know, I'm learning this about kids. They go through phases. I was having this conversation with somebody the other night. They go through these phases. When they're really young, you just tell them what to do and they do it. I mean, most of the time. Right? Do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Right? Take out the trash. Okay, daddy. You know, you know whatever. Come here and sit down by daddy. Let me talk. Okay, daddy. And, you know, whatever. And, and then, then they get a little bit older. All these teenagers are laughing right now. Then they get a little bit older, right? And then all of a sudden, they're not interested in just, they want to question a little bit. What happens? Oh, they're starting to come out from under dad's dominion. They're starting to operate in their own little dominion a little bit. But they still want to live in dad's house and eat dad's food and have dad run them places and be an ATM. Right? They want the benefits of the dominion, but they don't want to submit to the authority of the dominion. And as children of God, if we're not careful, we're sometimes the same way in our relationship with God. We think, well, you know what? I've been around a while. I got this figured out. I can live my own life. I can do it. And God, I'll check in with you if I need you or I need something. And you just sort of dispense according to all that you have. But I'm going to make and rule my own life. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. But it's liberating when we yield our life to him and his dominion. My kids, they went through this phase, right? And then, then they get to the age where I don't know anything, man. <laughs> I used to be like, Daddy knew everything. Then Dad knows nothing, or what he does know is like ancient. And I hadn't even hit 50 yet. But now, I, I'm, it's, it's wonderful. I, I don't think any of my kids are in that place where Dad doesn't know anything now. But I've got kids in college now, and I love it. They'll, they'll call or maybe we'll get together and they'll ask me questions about certain things and I'll just try to sort of give them a little advice and guide them and let them make a decision. And one of my, one of my kids said to me, Dad, I don't want you to give me advice. I just want you to tell me what to do. I mean, they've come full circle. Just tell me what to do. I don't like this pressure deciding. I, they're realizing, man, having to make all these decisions is a big, you know what I'm talking about? One of my kids said, Dad, I don't like adulting. Right? What were they saying? They were saying, man, having to make all these decisions and weigh all this stuff and hope I do the right thing. And, and it's not fun. You know what's liberating is when Dad says, just do this. Okay, Dad, yeah. That's what, that's what they're saying. That's exactly what they're saying. I just want you to tell me what to do. Then I don't have the pressure of decision. I don't have the weight of what if I make a mistake. I don't deal with, I just, dad said. And so when you and I yield our lives to God and his dominion and say, I'm no longer making my own choices. God, you direct my life. You tell me where to go, what to do, when to say yes, when to say no. When to, you direct my life, Lord. It's liberating. Because I'm no longer feeling the weight and the pressure of responsibility of choosing for myself. I now know my heavenly father who knows what I have need of before I even ask him, the scripture says. He knows what I have need of before I ask, not what I want, what I need. He knows what I need before I ask and so he's directing my life. How's he doing that? By his spirit that lives in me, that's the kingdom of God. He has dominion in my life. He's the king of my life.
You want to live a life in peace, liberty, and victory? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. What is seeking the kingdom of God? It's seeking direction from the king for every step I take. It's seeking direction for the king for every action I take. For the words that I speak. For the people I interact with. It's seeking the direction of God. You say, my goodness, brother, how how do you do all that? Is it like all through the day? Of course not. What do we do? We spend time with the king every day. We start our day seeking the kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom. That word first right there means first in priority and first in time. First. I don't check Facebook ever, but I don't check Facebook before I seek the kingdom. I don't check all my work email before I seek the kingdom. I do make coffee, but it's while I'm seeking the kingdom. (laughs) Sorry, I hope that's not carnal for you. I just like a cup of coffee while I'm talking with the Lord. I tell people I have coffee with the Lord every morning. And so as we continue to seek him. And you know what will happen when we're seeking him as our king? Lord, I want you to be king. I want you to rule and reign in every part of my life. He'll begin to eliminate, illuminate areas. Where we have not relinquished control to him. Where we're still trying to determine the outcome on our own. And he lets us. Let me read to you one of the places in scripture here. I'll finish. Acts chapter 24. I think is where we want to go. Twenty-six. It's close. Notice this, Acts 26 and 28. The Apostle Paul was a prisoner on his way to Rome to be tried of Caesar. But he was in a place with Felix, a governor, and it just so happened that a king and queen by the name of Agrippa and Bernice came by. And Felix was wanting to sort of show off a little bit. And so he started talking to the king Agrippa about this prisoner named Paul and all the stuff that was going on. And King Agrippa thought, well, that's sort of cool. I'd I'd like to hear his story. Maybe we could do something to sort of bring him out and he could tell his story. And Felix thinking, hey, maybe I've just scored some brownie points with the king and queen. We can do that. We'll set that up. And so the Bible says that there was some great pomp and circumstance. And the next day, and Felix and King Agrippa and Bernice are sitting there. And he brings the Apostle Paul out to speak to them. And the Apostle Paul, if you read Acts chapter 26, and you probably have if you've been reading with us these last few months. The Apostle Paul tells his story of being on the road to Damascus, struck down by a light, and how God changed his life. He gave his life over to Christ. He makes this statement. He says, King Agrippa, I would to God that you were just like me, except for these bonds. He's still in chains when he's having this testimony. And then he asks the question, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? And before he gets a chance to answer, he says, I know you do. That's verse 27. 
Verse 28, where we have there. Then Agrippa said to Paul, notice the response of the king Agrippa to Paul. Almost. Almost. You persuade me. To be a Christian. Almost. What was the difference? What was the challenge? We know he believed the word of God, the prophets. You could read that whole chapter and you understand that Agrippa was aware of all the goings on of Christ and what had taken place because Paul alludes to that in his testimony. I'll tell you what I believe the difference was. There was no confusion about what the price was to be a Christian. Paul had just told his testimony and he had given up his life for the cause of Christ. And King Agrippa's hearing this testimony and he's almost persuaded. I would submit to you the reason he couldn't be fully persuaded is because of commitment. He was a king. He had to give up his dominion. Would he have to stop being king? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. You understand, it wasn't about position and title. It was about who rules and reigns in my life. King Agrippa was not quite ready to give up ruling and reigning his own life. So he was almost persuaded, but not quite. Reminds me of the pig and the chicken. Right? Mariah said, absolutely. Right? The pig and the chicken were sitting in the barnyard having a conversation, arguing about who was more valuable, who the farmer liked the most, yada, 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 carrying on. Chicken finally sticks his neck out and fluffs his wings and says, Every day, the farmer comes to my house, greets me. I give him eggs every day. Pretty good argument. Finally, pig standing there shaking his head. Shaking his head. Finally says, you know what? All you do is contribute. When the farmer comes for me, I give him everything I have. You make a contribution. I'm committed. And there's a big difference. And sometimes, if we're not careful... We can fall into the trap of going, you know what, I want to be a Christian, but my desire is to make contributions, not be committed to the cause. In this day and time we live in, the Lord is desiring to manifest his kingdom in the earth. How's he going to do that? He's going to do that through you and I as we say, you're the king and I'm not. Why don't you stand with me? I was... I was praying one morning, almost eight years ago. If I do the math now, it would have been about 
probably about eight years and four months ago. I was laying on the floor in the place where we were living at the time on 50th Avenue in front of the fireplace. I remember it to this day. And I was talking to the Lord, and I prayed this prayer. I was praying this prayer. Lord, your kingdom come. I'm seeking your kingdom. I want your kingdom. I, I, I'd been reading and studying about it again at that time, and I want your kingdom. And I don't know what all I said, just trying to express my heart to God and desiring the kingdom of God. And the Lord made this statement to me, spoke to me in my situation, and said, my kingdom can't come until your kingdom falls. Was the Lord setting me up for some type of epic collapse in my life? No. He wasn't dealing with the natural. He was dealing with the heart, with who rules and reigns in my heart every day of my life. And when you and I yield to him and allow him to govern our decisions in our daily life, we start in prayer. We seek him in the word. I promise you, he will direct it in a good way. He will direct your steps and mine in a path that leads to life everlasting. And in this life as well, you'll have joy and victory and hope. Just settle the who's the king issue in your heart. And in your life. I have a question for you. Who do you think could do a better job running your life and mine? <laughs> right? I mean, if you're here and you're 25 or older, just look back a few years and tell me who could do a better job running your life. Him or me or you. Not me run your life. You run your own life. See, sometimes if we're younger, we still think, maybe I can do my own life better. Doesn't take till we've ran our own life a little while and we've ran some, made some mistakes along the way. Like, Man, I've never met someone that gave their life to God at a late age and said, you know, I'm just so thankful I got to live a lot of my life on my own and didn't give it to God sooner. <laughs> never met somebody like that. But I have, I have heard, I wish I would have gave my life to God sooner. I wish I would have just committed my life to his will sooner. I wish I would have just quit trying to hold on to all the things that I thought were important and give myself to the kingdom that I knew was important. Amen. Why don't you talk to the Lord with me? I feel his presence here today. Come on, would the Lord persuade you to commit yourself to him fully and completely? Father, let my kingdoms fall. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. The kingdom that is within me. You reigning in my heart, Father. You having dominion over my thoughts. You having dominion over my actions. You having dominion over my words. You having dominion over where I go, who I spend time with. You, Father, directing those things. Father, you having dominion on my job and the things I do and what I, where I work, Father. You in every area that your kingdom would come. Because I know when your kingdom comes, then your will will be done. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, there's some of you here this morning. 
you come with questions wondering what, how. I believe your answer is found in seeking first the kingdom of God. Seeking first to relinquish some areas where you try to rule your life and say, God, show me, lead me, guide me, direct me. I trust you. Let your work be done. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, the thing about him as a king is he doesn't, he doesn't come in with a heavy hand. He doesn't come in with a strong arm. But when you and I yield ourselves to him and acknowledge, I cannot do it myself, Father. Not only can I not do it myself, I don't want to try to do it on my own. I desire you to rule and to reign. I pray, show me every area of my life where I continue to hold on to it. But you're asking for permission, Father, to take control and lead me in a manner that pleases you, that brings glory to you, that brings your kingdom honor. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll open this altar to you today if you'd like to find a place and talk to him. In the name of Jesus. Father, I want you ruling in every area of my life. Come on, it's a progression. It's not an all at once where you have to figure it out. He'll lead you. He'll guide and direct your life. Jesus, in your name, I pray your dominion operative in my home, in my family, on the job, everywhere I go. I pray your dominion, Father, your authority, your kingdom, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Keep talking to the Lord. In Jesus' name. There's some of you say, how do I know? How do I know? Trust me, when you begin to yield and you ask Him to take authority, when you begin to yield and say, I submit to you, Father, I promise you, you'll know. You'll know. Every one of us living for God in any aspect of our lives, there's had, there have been times where we've weighed a decision. We knew what we were supposed to do, but it was contrary to what we wanted to do. And so we went ahead and did our thing and then looked back and go, man, why didn't I just listen to that still small voice? Come on, let him direct our lives. Jesus, direct every part of my life. Direct every part of my life. Direct me, Father, as a credit union manager. Direct me, Father, as a husband. Direct me as a father. Direct me as an elder. Direct me as a friend. Direct me as a man. Direct me in every facet of my life, Father. I pray, King of kings, be the king of every area of my heart, of every area of my thoughts, of every area of my life, that you would be glorified through this vessel. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Hikata rebokoshi arabakataha. Iarabakata yelobokoshi arabakahaye. Hikata rebokoshi arabakashe yeti arabakaha.
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we pray your kingdom come. Lord, we pray your will be done. Every eye below the one seated high upon the throne. Every tongue confess that you are Lord when your kingdom comes. Everything changes. Everything changes when your kingdom comes. Let your kingdom come. The earth is shaking. Chains are breaking as your kingdom comes. Let your kingdom come. Mountains have to move. Every chain is loose. God, we declare your kingdom is here. Everyone will see. Fall down at your feet. God, we declare your kingdom is here. interested in the kingdom I'd encourage you to look in the gospels at how many times the Lord Jesus Christ referenced the kingdom of God again and again and again he said the kingdom of God is like the kingdom of God is like the kingdom of God is like one place he said kingdom of God is like a man passing through a field 
and seeing there a treasure and realizing it was of great value. He went home. He sold everything he had for one purpose, so he could buy the field. Was he crazy? He said, remember the heart, are you telling me sell everything I got? And I'm not telling you that. It was showing us what the kingdom of God is. No, he wasn't crazy. He saw the treasure in the field and he realized the treasure was worth more than anything and everything he had. And so he went home and sold anything and everything he had so that he could buy the field so the treasure could be his. He wasn't giving up something for less. He was selling that of limited value for that of great immeasurable value. I had a friend from Arkansas. If you ever heard him talk, you'd know he was from Arkansas. His name was David, David Kraft. He would tell a story that's always stuck with me. He said, if I, uh, if I told all of you here today that out here in this patch of land in front of the parking lot, there was gold buried there. And as far and as deep as you could go, you'd keep finding gold. And I said, now, go get something and come back and start digging. And it's yours. He said, most people would run home, grab a shovel, run back. He said, me, I'm going to a rental store and get me a backhoe. I mean, if it's immeasurable and it's unlimited, I want to make sure I'm not thinking about the kingdom like, well, Lord, I, I, I'm good with a shovel. Just let me get my shovel and get a little bit. And I got, a, I got other things I got to do. I want to commit myself. Amen. I see the enemy would twist this sometime. They think, well, man, I got to work. I got a job. I got a family. We all do. He wants to rule and reign in all of that. He can and will. And you'll no longer be working for yourself. You'll be working for Him. And you realize, man, my job takes on a whole new meaning. I still got to do my job. But it takes on a whole new meaning. Why, what's, why am I here? What's my purpose here? What's the king want to do with me today? And you'll start finding on your job, you're running into people. You're like, man, where did they come from? Conversations just start happening. You're like, how did that happen? I'll tell you what happened. You started aligning with the king and letting him direct your life. Amen? Praise God. Greet somebody. You're dismissed. Tell them, seek first the kingdom. God bless you. Oh, don't leave today because we do have food downstairs. Amen. Brother Martin's going to pray for the food. Lord God, we just ask, Lord Jesus, that you bless the meal. Lord God, bless the fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray.